ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so now we move on to the second point <coughs> the second point in the six events al-mawdi' al-thani annahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lamma qama yunziruhum 'an al-shirk wa ya'muruhum bi dhiddihi wa huwa at-tawhid lam yakrahu dhalika wa istahsanuhu wa haddathu anfusahum bid-dukhul fihi ila an sarraha bisabbidinihim wa tajhil ulamaihim fa hina idhin shammaru lahu wa li ashabihi an saq al adawa in this second event now it says that when the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam began warning them against shirk when the Prophet ﷺ began warning them against shirk and calling them to tawheed, initially, initially, they didn't have a disliking to that. And they thought it was okay. And they even considered entering into it initially they did not think it to be bad and they even considered entering into it until when the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam made it clear to them that their religion of shirk was not acceptable whatsoever and when he rejected their scholars rejected their religion that's when they then became serious about having the enmity against the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam why did they originally not think it to be too bad because what they were upon they did not used to consider themselves to be upon shirk wa hum yaqulun alladhi nahnu alayhi laysa bi shirk alladhi nahnu alayhi taqarrubun ila allah bil awliya wa salihin wa nahnu la nushriku billahi inma hadha taqarrub ila allah wa tawassul ilayhi so when the Prophet wasallam was warning against shirk, the mushrikeen originally didn't have too much issue because they didn't think they were upon shirk in the first place. They thought the call of the Prophet initially wasn't too bad because they didn't think they were the ones being refuted they didn't realize they thought they're not upon shirk anyway 
because it was their explanation that when they go to the graves and they seek intercession and all of these things, they said all of this is not shirk, this is actually seeking closeness to Allah. That's what they used to claim. They used to claim that their activities are seeking closeness to Allah, not shirk. Of course we know, we know that actually their activities were shirk. So when that became clear to them, when it became clear to them, the Prophet highlighted to them that the religion they are upon is wrong. And what they are doing is shirk and warned against that and did not accept it from them. That's when they then realized and that's when they then began to hold the enmity. وَلَوْ أَنَّ الرَّسُولِ اقْتَصَرَ عَلَى النَّهِي عَنِ الشِّرْكِ دُونَ تَفْصِيلُ وَبَيَانِ لَمَا اعْتَرَضُوا عَلَيْهِ لِأَنَّهُمْ يَرَوْنَ أَنَّهُمْ غَيْرْ مُشْرِكِينَ if the Prophet ﷺ had not gone into details, if he had not gone into details, and he had generally warned against shirk, then they wouldn't have had a problem. Then they wouldn't have had a problem because they didn't think they were upon shirk. They didn't consider themselves as mushrikeen. So if the Prophet ﷺ hadn't given details of shirk and their religion being shirk, if he had left it general, they wouldn't have had an issue. But when it became clear that shirk is exactly the type of thing they were upon and what they were doing, then they began to hold the enmity against the Prophet ﷺ. فَلَمَّا صَرَّحَ بِسَبِّ دِينِهِمْ وَتَجْهِيلِ عُلَمَائِهِمْ فَحِينَ إِذٍ شَمَّرُوا لَهُ وَلِأَصْحَابِهِ عَنْ سَاقِ الْعَدَاوَةِ اي لأنهم يفسرون الذي هم عليه أنه ليس بشرك لكن عندما تقول لهم هذه الأضرحة وهذه القبور التي تعبدونها وتنظرون لها وتذبحون لها عملكم هذا هو الشرك عند ذلك تثور ثائرتهم هذا هو الذي فعله الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم نهاهم عن عبادة اللات والعزة ومنات والأصنام وقال لهم لستم على شيء وهؤلاء الذين يدعونكم إليها هؤلاء علماء ضلال ضلال فحينما قال لهم ذلك ثارت ثائرتهم حمية لدينهم وهذا هو الذي عليه غالب العالم اليوم They didn't consider themselves to be مشركين the kuffar at the time of the Prophet ﷺ didn't consider themselves to be mushrikeen. But when it was said to them that these shrines, these shrines and these graves that you worship and that you vow to and take oaths on and that you slaughter for, all of these tombs and graves and shrines that you go to and do all of this worship at, 
This is shirk. These actions of yours are shirk. Even if you say you are seeking closeness to Allah only, these actions, what you are doing is shirk. When you tell them that, that's when they are incited. That's what the Prophet ﷺ did. He went and told them, these actions of yours, going to the graves, going to the tombs, going to the shrines, all of this worship and what you do and the slaughtering and the vowing, it is shirk. So he warned them and prohibited them, told them, you cannot worship your idols, shirk. You cannot worship Allah, Al-Uzza, Manat. You cannot worship these idols of yours. You cannot worship and slaughter for them and do other obedience for them. All of that is shirk. Your religion is nothing. What you are doing, these actions of yours are shirk. The people who are telling you this, your scholars, they are scholars of misguidance. You are all upon misguidance and you are being led to misguidance. And these actions of yours are all shirk. And that is the Sheikh says what the majority of the people are upon today. The majority of people these days, that is exactly what they do. They go to the graveyards, they go to the tombs, they go to the shrines, and they make dua there, asking the deceased people to take their dua to Allah, asking the deceased people in their graves to answer their dua for them or to take their dua to Allah for them. And they think they are gaining closeness to Allah through these dead people in the graves, through worshipping at the shrines and the tombs. And the reality is all of that is shirk. They are not seeking closeness to Allah. They are getting closeness to shaitan. They are listening to the whispers of the shaitan, going to the graveyards and the dead people and asking them to take the dua to Allah. That is not how you seek closeness to Allah. And this is what many of the people are upon today. So when the Prophet ﷺ made it clear to the mushrikeen, that is what you are upon. You are upon shirk. Your actions are shirk. Worshipping these idols and statues and graves. It is all shirk. Alu, they said, Saffaha ahlamana wa'abadinana wa'shatama alihatana. They said he has abused us and he has criticized us and he is calling us foolish. So had the Prophet وسلم, left it general and just said shirk isn't good and you shouldn't do it and left it at that, the mushrikeen wouldn't have had too much of a problem because they didn't think they were doing shirk in the first place. But the Prophet ﷺ didn't leave it like that. He clarified the truth in detail and he said to them, your actions, what you are doing at the graveyards, at the dead people, these actions are shirk. So when he told them that clearly, then they became angered and they had the enmity against him and the Muslims. Allah 
الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم ما سب الصالحين وإنما سب عبادة غير الله عز وجل وبين أن أنبياء الله وعبادة صالحين وعباده الصالحين والملائكة لا يرضون أن يعبدوا من دون الله The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم mentioned how their shirk is evil and these idols that they are worshipping are evil but he didn't say bad things about Isa alayhi salam or the angels or the righteous people because those mushrikeen used to worship Isa alayhi salam, the angels, the righteous people. The Prophet wasn't saying bad things about them. He was saying bad things about the actions of the mushrikeen. That you people worship Isa alayhi salam. You worship the angels. You worship the righteous people. But all of this worship you do, they are not pleased with it. Isa alayhi salam on the day of judgment when he is asked, did you tell the people to worship you? He will say, of course not. I cannot tell them something you did not command me. He will declare his innocence of all of these people who worship him. The angels as well will declare their innocence of all of the people who worship them. So all of the shirk which is committed, those people will declare their innocence of these mushrikeen. We didn't tell them to worship us. Even the shaitan on that day, he will say, it's not my fault. I didn't force them to commit shirk and to do evil things in this world. I just whispered to them and they accepted and went and did it. I didn't force them to do it. Even shaitan will say that. Even shaitan will say, Iblis, I didn't force the people to do evil things. I just whispered to them and they listened. It's their fault. And that's why in the hadith it mentions, in a hadith Allah said in the hadith Qudsi, فَمَنْ وَجَدَ خَيْرًا فَلْيَحْمَدِ اللَّهِ وَمَنْ وَجَدَ غَيْرَ ذَلِكَ فَلَا يَلُومَنَّ إِلَّا نَفْسًا On the day of judgment, whoever finds goodness, you find goodness in your accountability, you find goodness in your books on that day, on your judgment, then praise Allah for the goodness you find in your accountability. But then Allah said, whoever finds bad in their accountability on that day, whoever finds evil in their books on that day, then do not blame anyone except yourself. That is what Allah mentioned. If you find bad in your books and your accountability and your judgment on that day, then do not blame anyone else except yourselves. Because it is what you have done for yourself. The accountability you have done upon yourself. The actions and the deeds you have done. So Allah said if you find bad on that day, don't blame anybody else except yourself. And even the shaitan will say, I didn't do anything, I just whispered and they followed me. I didn't force them. So you will not be able to blame anyone else on that day. Then, لَكِنْ لَمَّا ذَكَرَ أَنَّهُمْ لَا يُدْعَوْنَ وَلَا يَنْفَعُونَ وَلَا يَذُرُّونَ جَعْلُ ذَلِكَ شَتْمًا When the Prophet وسلم, started telling the mushrikeen at that time, that these other deities, idols, so-called gods of yours, 
none of them can benefit you and none of them can harm you none of them can answer your dua for you they can't do anything for you they can't even hear you they can't answer your dua for you they can do nothing for you when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam started telling this to the mushrikeen they considered the statements of the prophet sallallahu as an insult upon their statues and gods and idols they considered it as an insult that how dare he say our idols cannot answer our dua and that our idols cannot do this and they cannot do that even though the reality is it was absolute truth they cannot answer your dua they cannot do good they cannot do bad ibrahim alayhi salam ibrahim alayhi salam when he was debating with his people the mushrikeen one of the things that he said to them was how can you worship these idols that do not even hear you or speak back to you they cannot even hear you and they do not even speak how can they be gods that you are worshiping how can they be gods that you are making dua to they cannot even hear you and they do not even respond to you so when the prophet started telling them this that these idols of yours these statues of yours all of these dead people that you are calling upon none of them can hear you benefit you and say your dua they can't do nothing for you the mushrikeen thought this was an insult he is insulting our gods insulting our idols so this is how they perceived the da'wah of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam they even started saying to the people of tawheed the mushrikeen started saying to the people of tawheed you people don't even build anything on top of the graves of your righteous people when they die righteous people die and you just leave them in that grave you don't even build anything nice on top of their grave because they thought this is something good to build a nice tomb or shrine beautiful grave on top of where he's buried that's what they used to do but we know that the prophet forbade us from doing that it is haram to build on top of the graves somebody is buried you bury them in that soil you can put a small rock the size of a hand span on top just to show where the grave is where the headside is put a small rock there and that's it that's the sunnah that is islam all of what you see the muslims doing now they have learned it from non-muslims these huge tombstones in the loving memory of this person and that person flowers and decorations around the grave all of this is haram in islam it is not islamic muslims have learned this from the non-muslims it is not an islamic practice to decorate the graves and to put these beautiful tombstones made out of marble huge ones with writing all over it and beloved memory and this and that and flowers all around and small fence all around and all of these things 
Haram. Not allowed. The Prophet said to Ali ibn Abi Talib. The Prophet said to Ali ibn Abi Talib. Do not leave any grave that you see sticking out. Except that you should make sure you flatten it. The Prophet ﷺ told Ali ibn Abi Talib, if you come across any graves that are sticking out, people have made them beautiful and decorated and sticking out of the ground, flatten them, get rid of the tombstones and everything, make them flat into the ground as they should be. Don't leave them sticking out of the ground like this, how people do it. So it is Islamic mannerisms to bury a person. You can put a stone the size of your hand at the top, just to show where this grave is and that's it. But the people, they beautify the graves. And they put all of the writing and the marble tombstones and the fences and all of these things which are haram. The Prophet ﷺ forbade from all of these things. Because one of the greatest, greatest ways that shirk begins is with graves. That is one of the biggest ways shirk starts. From the graveyards and the graves. When shirk first started, how did it start? From the graves. At the time of Nuh alayhi salam, Noah. The generation of people that were alive at the time of Noah. Nuh alayhi salam. The famous story is known. That there used to be some righteous people in that generation. Very righteous people who used to obey Allah. Because you know, when Allah created Adam alayhi salam, when Allah created Adam alayhi salam, and He placed Adam alayhi salam upon the earth, Adam alayhi salam, then His children, then their children, then their children, then the next generation, then the next generation, the first ten generations, the first ten generations, all of them were pure on the worship of Allah. For the first ten generations, it was pure. No shirk. There's a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, where it mentions, كَانَ بَيْنَ آدَمْ Between Adam and Nuh, there were ten generations. And in the hadith in Bukhari, it says all of them were upon Tawheed. Then in the generation of Nuh, السلام, the first shirk slowly started to appear. How did it first ever appear? When shirk first began, how did it begin? In the generation of Nuh, السلام, or thereabouts, there used to be five very righteous people. Very good, pious people. They used to worship Allah. And all of the community, the society used to respect them and love them because they were true worshippers of Allah. Pious and righteous. In the end, those five people died. They died in the end. When they died, all of the society became very sad. All of the people who used to respect and love these righteous people became very sad. 
So the shaitan, after 10 generations of nothing, no shirk for the shaitan, nothing, people were pure. When shaitan saw how the people are grieving at the loss of these righteous people who used to live in their community, grieving and sad, the shaitan saw that as an opportunity. So he took that opportunity. He came to the people and he started saying to them. Obviously, he couldn't just say to them, do shirk. Ten generations, all that's ever been passed down from the first person, Adam salam, all that's ever been passed down through the generations for ten generations was Tawheed. So he couldn't just come and tell this generation now commit shirk. He wouldn't accept. So instead, he did a stage-by-stage plan. This is all mentioned in the narrations. He came to those people who were grieving and he said to them that there's an idea for you. Those pious people that died, those pious people that passed away, you're grieving over their loss. What you should do is go and visit their graves. Go to their graveyards and visit the graves of these pious people so you remember them and you remember their lives and the goodness and the righteousness and the piety they were upon and that will give you some comfort in your heart and it will even increase your iman when you go there and remember how pious they used to be you'll come back with higher iman wanting to be more pious so you should do that you should go to the graves of those pious people and visit their graves is there any shirk in doing that? No, there isn't. Go to the grave, just to go to the graveyard. There's no shirk in just going. So the people said, okay, no problem in that. There's no issue in that. No shirk, nothing. So they went. They used to go to the graves of those pious people who had passed away. And they used to go there and remember them. Then after a while, the shaitan came back to the people and said to them, his next stage he said when you go there to their graves you shouldn't just come back quickly when you go there stay for a while stay at the graves of these pious people and ponder and think and contemplate so you can really remember them well and give yourself comfort and iman properly before coming back again the people thought there's no issue in that so they began to do that They began to go to the graves of these pious people and stay there for long periods of time. Eventually the shaitan came back to them again with the next stage. So far he still hasn't been able to make them do any shirk yet. They're going to the graveyards, they're staying there for a long time, but they're not committing any shirk. They're not making dua to the righteous people. They're not slaughtering for them. They're not doing nothing. Just going there, visiting their graves and coming back. So then the shaitan took the next step. He said to them, those pious people that passed away, the grief still hurts you. You still go out to their graves, all of you people so often, and you stay there for a long time. It's a bit difficult. Why don't you just make some statues representing those pious people and put those figurines, pictures and statues in your community halls in your homes, in your village, 
So whenever you see those pictures and statues of those pious people, it will remind you of them. It will remind you of them how pious they used to be and how righteous they used to be. And it will be good for your heart. So you'll see them everywhere in your village all the time. Save you going to the graveyard all the time. Again the people thought, okay, why not? It's going to remind us of these pious people. Help us increase in our iman when we remember these pious people. So if we see their figures everywhere in our villages, it will remind us of how pious they used to be and make us stronger as well. So they did it. They made some pictures and statues and things to represent those pious people. Still they did not commit shirk as such. They didn't start making dua to these statues. They didn't start prostrating, nothing. They didn't commit any shirk as such. Made the figures and the statues, they used to look at them, remember the pious people, that was it. Still no shirk yet as such. Because remember, these people, 10 generations of Tawheed, couldn't just make them commit shirk like that. So now shaitan has got them at the stage of having made representations, symbolic representations of those pious people, and put these symbolic representations in their villages and homes. Then that generation of people died. That generation of people died. Then the next generation of people came, and the next generation of people came. Until after a generation, generation came, the new generations of people, when they saw these representations, they didn't know what they were. Knowledge hadn't been passed down. It had been lost through the generations. They had forgotten. They didn't know anymore why their grandfathers, great-grandfathers, why their forefathers had built these statues and figures and who they represented. They didn't know anymore. Knowledge became lost as time went by and the generations went by. So then shaitan came to this new generation of people and he said to them, these figures and these symbolic representations and pictures you have in your villages, don't you know what it is? They didn't know. Knowledge had been lost through the generations. He said to them, these symbolic representations, they were the things that your forefathers used to make dua to. Whenever there was a drought, these things you see in your villages everywhere, that's who your forefathers used to turn to. They used to make dua to these things. That's why they're here everywhere in your villages. So this new generation of people didn't know any better. They didn't know actually these used to be pious people and their forefathers had only built these statues just to remember the pious people, that's it, no shirk. They didn't know. So they believed the shaitan, okay, that's what it must be. Our forefathers had these statues because they used to worship them, make dua to them, ask for the rainfall when there's a drought and things. So that's what they started doing. They started making dua to the statues. So now look at that. Shaitan, after 10 generations, knew he couldn't just get the people to commit shirk. So what did he do? Step by step, step by step, until eventually he got this new generation of people to commit shirk. So where did it all begin from that? The graves initially. When the shaitan said to the people, go to the graves of the pious people and think and contemplate. And that led to one thing, to another thing, to another thing, until eventually they made the statues. 
So here, those statues were made and the shirk began. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ forbade making statues and tombs and shrines on top of graves. Because if you do that, then one step after the next eventually ends up as shirk. The only thing which is sunnah to do, if you go to the graveyard, give the salam upon the people, make dua for them, not to them, make dua for them. Make dua to Allah and ask Allah to forgive them. So you're making dua for them, not to them. Go there, give salam, make dua for them, ask Allah to have mercy upon them, forgive them and return. That is the sunnah. To basically visit the graveyards, to remember death, to make dua for the people, not to the people, not to ask them, to ask Allah to forgive them, make dua for them and come back. That is it. But now these people, they do more than that. They build the tombs and the shrines and everything. And they go there and they even prostrate. People calling themselves Muslims. Saying, La ilaha illallah. You go to different countries in the world, Muslim countries, in the Arab countries, in the subcontinent. All of these different places you go, they have shrines and tombs and they go and they prostrate. Prostrate to the tombs. Prostrate to the graves. Bow down to them. Because of their ignorance, thinking they are getting closer to Allah and they are committing shirk in reality. So the Prophet forbade that. But these mushrikeen, they were upon their mentality of shirk. They started saying to the people of Tawheed, what's wrong with you people? You don't even build anything on top of the graves of the righteous people when they die. Not knowing that this is the sunnah. You're not supposed to build anything on top of the graves. But the mushrikeen thought that was good. Build some nice tombstones and shrines and build some nice temple on top. And that's what they do now. You see the Sufis and some of these people, that's exactly what they do. When one of their big people dies and you see the funeral, you see this huge thing with garlands and flowers and flags and everything there. Like a huge shrine. No difference between that and what the Mushrikeen used to do. Because the mushrikeen used to think that it was honoring the dead person by making these big things on top of their graves. And isn't that what the Muslims think now? When these Sufis and these people, when their big people die, make a huge tombstone and a huge shrine thing on top and all of these flowers and garlands and everything on top. They think this is honor for that dead person. We're honoring our great imam who died. That's exactly what the mushrikeen used to say. The mushrikeen used to think by doing all of that stuff on the grave, you're going to be honoring the person who's died. Yet the Prophet ﷺ said the complete opposite. Don't build all these things on top of graves, leave them empty. Even about his own grave. The Prophet ﷺ said about his own grave, لا تتخذوا قبري عيدا. Do not make my grave an Eid. There's a hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, Do not make my grave as an Eid afterwards, once I die. Don't make my grave into an Eid. What does that mean? Don't make my grave into an Eid. Anyone? 
What did the Prophet mean? Don't make my grave into an Eid. Anyone? Don't decorate the grave. Anyone else? A place of worship. These are all correct, generally. Eid, in Arabic, it is referring to repetitive visitation. The word Eid in Arabic, from the verb عاد something which comes back and returns. Eid, the word Eid, literally, linguistically, means something which is repetitive and comes back again and again. So Eid, it is repetitive, fixed. Every time Ramadan finishes, the next day, every year is always Eid. Tenth of Dhul Hijjah every year is always Eid. Every year it comes back at the same time, repetitive. That's what the word Eid means. The Prophet ﷺ said, don't make my grave into an Eid. Meaning, do not even make my grave a place where you repetitively visit. Hadith. That's why the Sahaba, the companions Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali, radiyallahu anhum and others, did they used to go to the grave of the Prophet every day, every prayer, every week? They didn't look into the books of biography and seerah and history. They never used to. They only used to go occasionally. Nowadays, people go for Umrah. What do they do when they're in Medina? Every prayer you have to go to the grave of the Prophet Wrong. That's against what the Prophet said. Every day after Fajr when they're in Medina, you have to go to the grave, they say. Wrong. The Prophet said, don't do that. Don't keep coming to my grave in a repetitive, scheduled fashion. The companions, what did they used to do? They used to go occasionally, even though they were living there in Medina. But they only used to go occasionally to the grave of the Prophet give the salam. And that was it. Because when you start going repetitively and continuously again and again and again, slowly it will start opening up doors for the ignorant people to do wrong things. That's why the Salaf, they used to say, standing next to the grave of the Prophet and facing the Kaaba and making dua, is it okay or not? If you stand next to the grave of the Prophet but face the Kaaba and make dua to Allah, is that allowed or not? Is it Tawheed or Shirk? It's allowed. That's Tawheed. You're not facing the grave of the Prophet You're not making dua to the Prophet You stood next to the grave, but you are facing the Kaaba and you're making dua to Allah. It's allowed. But what did the companions used to say? What did the Salaf used to say? They used to tell people, don't do it though. Don't stand next to the grave. Even if you're facing the Kaaba, making dua to Allah, just don't stand next to the grave. There's plenty of space in the mosque. Don't stand in another place. Why? Because if some ignorant person comes along who doesn't know, and he sees everybody stood next to the grave of the Prophet even if they're facing the Kaaba, making the dua, what's he going to think? He's going to think, making dua next to the grave of the Prophet must be better or something. There must be more barakah in it or something. So they used to say, don't let people be confused. Just don't stand there. Go stand somewhere else. It doesn't make a difference. Don't stand next to the grave and let people think there's some barakah or some extra blessing or reward for making the dua there. Go and stand in another part of the mosque instead. 
So the Prophet ﷺ used to forbid that. Then he says, فَإِذَا عَرَفْتَهُ هَذَا عَرَفْتَ أَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ لَا يَسْتَقِيمُ لَهُ إِسْلَامُ وَلَوْ وَحَّدَ اللَّهُ وَتَرَكَ الشِّرْكِ إِلَّا بِعَدَاوَةِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَالتَّصْرِيحِ لَهُمْ بِالْعَدَاوَةِ وَالْبُغْضِ كما قال تعالى لا تجد قوم يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر يوادون من حاد الله ورسوله فإذا فهمت هذا فهما جيدا عرفت أن كثيرا من الذين يدعون, يدعون الدين لا يعرفونها So then he says if you understand this much then you need to understand that a part of your religion as association to Tawheed is to disassociate yourself from shirk you can't say you're a Muslim and you're upon Tawheed and you're upon the oneness of Allah but then you're also okay with Shirk you're also okay with Hinduism and Sikhism and other religions how can you be okay with that? we don't accept those religions we don't accept religions of polytheism religions where you're worshipping multiple gods there is only one religion as Allah said Inna al-Islam. the only religion with Allah is Islam Whoever goes looking for another religion instead of Islam, it will never be accepted from him. So the religion is only Al-Islam and you must show your hatred for the shirk and the people of shirk upon that way. However, the sad thing is, as the Sheikh mentions, that many people who claim to be upon Islam in reality they are still upon that misguided way whereby they think all of the religions are okay islam we're okay christianity is okay judaism is okay it's as if the people they think let's build the bridges all of the religions are okay the religion of islam is the religion of allah only the religion that is the religion of tawheed not religions where they say Allah has a son or that Allah has partners those types of religions of polytheism are not correct then the sheikh goes on to mention that when the Muslims they were preaching this the Muslims were preaching Tawheed to the people warning against shirk they faced a lot of difficulties from those mushrikeen they faced a lot of hardship and oppression from those mushrikeen and so much was this hardship what did they have to do in the end they had to make hijrah and where was the first hijrah to to habasha which is nowadays like the area of ethiopia the Muslims had to get out of Mecca. So a number of them, a number of them left. Because it was so bad what the Mushrikeen were doing. A number of them, they left and they went to Habasha. Because of the oppression that the Mushrikeen were doing to the Muslims in Mecca. They were harming them. Even look, when the Prophet ﷺ was giving da'wah to Tawheed, calling the people to Tawheed, what did Abu Lahab do? Abu Lahab, he even 
was opposing the Prophet ﷺ and trying to bring him down. So what did Allah say in the Quran? May the hands of Abu Lahab be perished, destroyed. Why? Because he was trying to destroy the Prophet ﷺ. Even he was trying to go against the Prophet ﷺ and destroy him. So all of the mushrikeen were going against them. And they were oppressing them and trying to destroy Islam. And it got really bad. Eventually the Muslims, some of them had to leave and go to Habasha. When did they come back? So they heard rumors that the mushrikeen have all become Muslims. When some of these Muslims made the first hijrah and went to Habasha, they had gone. Whilst they were there, rumors came to them, suggesting that all of the mushrikeen in Mecca had become Muslims. Because rumors came to them that all of the mushrikeen had prostrated along with the Prophet ﷺ. Because the Prophet ﷺ was reading the Qur'an, in the Qur'an you have places where there are prostrations. So the Prophet ﷺ was reading the Qur'an one day and he came to a place where there's a prostration. He prostrated because he was reading out loud. The mushrikeen who were all around him, they heard him. They prostrated as well. That's what the story says. So that rumor got to the people in Habasha, the Muslims, and they thought, okay, so all of the mushrikeen have become Muslims now. So they came back. But when they came back, what did they discover? That actually, they had not. That story, the details of it and what happened, is what we're going to begin with next week. Because next week is event number three. And event number three is that story. What happened in that story? Why did the mushrikeen prostrate? When they heard the Prophet ﷺ prostrate in the Qur'an. Why would the mushrikeen prostrate for the Qur'an? In that prostration of the Qur'an. What happened there? That story is what we'll start with next week insha'Allah. Next week uh, in the lesson, event number three will be that story. So up until there then, we'll conclude on that for today.